Hello. Can you hear me now, Judd? I can hear you now, Daniel. How are you? Man, I'm doing great. Glad to have you back on the program, my friend. Hey, glad to be back. Well, we're talking about uh, talking to to the folks in the live chat. You know how we do about the monster incursions going on in this country, and uh, we 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 will be looking at an update here because it's the the nighttime in in America's daylight is getting darker. Does that make any sense? Yeah, there are all kinds of monsters we could talk about. <laughs> well, hey, hey, man, you got a new website going on? I do have a new website. Uh, the new website's going to be burtonbeyond.net, and then I've got another one called drjudburton.com, and that's where I moved my institute to. Mm-hmm. So those those are the two new ones. Mm-hmm. Well, good for you. I mean, we're talking. We have a if if, if you look, uh, Doctor, we we actually have a uh, edge poll here on the website, mm-hmm. and of course, it's uh, what uh, people are most their most fearful monster. And let's take a look. Their choices are werewolves, Sasquatch, shadow people, the X, mm-hmm. uh, Dogman, Mothman, and Nutcrackers. Now, people that watch the show know that I have a Nutcracker phobia, so that I checked that one myself. Let's check here. But it looks to me that uh, shadow people is leading the pack. What people are afraid of, uh, what would you consider a shadow person to be? Well, there are a a number of these species of dark entities that uh, they look, they appear very much like a two-dimensional shadow uh, cast upon upon a flat surface. Uh, But people see them, of course. As as these kind of dark two dimensional shapes within a three D context, if that makes any sense, mm-hmm. um, and some of the some of the encounters are, are somewhat benign, but I would say that the the greater proportion of them are are, are at least mortifying uh, in terms of the effect that they have on the people that see them. But mm-hmm. um, technically, you know, if if the experience is negative, I think we're looking at a at a demonic entity, mm-hmm. um, because again, just looking at the broad brushstrokes that world mythology paints these kind of creatures, um, they can certainly show up as these dark, misty, shadowy figures. And so, what we what American folklore, or American sort of uh, a paranormal designation has has sort of taxonomized as shadow people would fall into that larger historic category. Mm-hmm. Well, do shadow people have the ability to interact in, in our um, in our plane of in our dimension? Can they are they just apparitions or can they can they move something on the table? Can they tap you on the shoulder? I would think uh, um, I only know of, of a few shadow person encounters that that are accompanied by the kind of classical poltergeist activity um uh, since since we're dealing with the dark entity for the most part you know a a, um um you know a a demonic entity if you will i I think that they're going to be able to um they're going to basically be able to manipulate matter and energy uh in a number of ways, a sort of ability that they've inherited from their watcher and, and older giant forebears. Mm-hmm. Um, so the the 
the spectrum of things that they're able to do in terms of interaction with people is going to be pretty broad as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, any any kind of interaction uh, with with people, any sort of communication, whether by noises or or, or outright speaking, is is not going to be off the table mm-hmm. uh, as concerns shadow people. Hey doctor, could you move your microphone just a little bit out? We, sure. we can tune, tune you up here. There we go. There we go. All right. Was, was I, I was getting a little, a little sharp. <laughs> yeah. Hey, so let me ask you. Uh, so can do can a person empower uh, or provide energy for the shadow person's manifestation? Do they get any power from us, from our emotions, or from our electronics? Where are they getting the power I, to, I, to I think they draw it from, in order for them to manifest, I think that they draw it from the surrounding environment. Uh, That may be matter and energy within their immediate vicinity. It it certainly certainly seems like it it could be emotions as well, because if you think about about, uh, encounters that people have with, um, uh, let's say, ghost entities that, that paranormal investigators have, have talked about with some frequency. Some people categorize them as demons. I would tend to fall in that category most of the time. Uh, but what, whatever the entities are, they do seem to be drawing from the immediate environs in order to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. And I would think the human emotion has to be part of the draw uh, because, again, that's a historic tradition that these these dark entities, demonic entities feed off of, um, in particular, negative uh, human emotions. Mm-hmm. Uh, I see in the live chat, uh, Kentucky Girl says, I felt something at my feet on my bed. It woke me up, and I saw a figure standing there. I uh, pulled my feet up by bending my knees, and it disappeared right away. And, uh, and I was watching um, the Mothman, a Mothman show on uh, uh, net, uh, on, uh, on uh, Amazon Prime, and, and in that mm-hmm. show, there, uh, a guy said that uh, an entity appeared uh, in his room, in his bedroom. So, and I don't know how many times I've seen or have heard people testify that these entities sort of appear in the bedroom. I mean, now I think I've seen them. I can't, this is one of those things I can't say for sure, but I'm always seeing something say in the peripheral. So, is it that mm-hmm. they know I can't see them? Say I'm looking forward, so they appear and they disappear when I look, or is or should I try to focus to the left or right to try to get them into focus? I mean, is it they they, they think I can't see them? Uh, well, again, it may be that they're they want to have control over how much you're able to perceive them. In other words, they may not want you to be able to quantify their existence or, or manifestation to some some extent I would think mm-hmm. but that again if we're, if we're classifying these as dark or demonic entities and that's part of the modus operandi of what they do is to sort of deceive and, and deflect mm-hmm. um, so they're going to try and control that perception as much as they possibly can mm-hmm. um, that's why so many of the qualitative accounts that we have about things like shadow people mm-hmm. and ghosts and demons and the whole you know again taxonomy of these kinds of manifestations, it's why you know we we get such a um, we have to look at it in the aggregate. In other words, we get a kind of uh, 
we have to take lots of different qualitative counts because some of them may be that they catch them out of the corner of their eye or they thought that it was something else and then on second on the second look it looked like an anthropomorphic shape like a human shape walking away or moving across the wall or something like that mm-hmm. um so that's why i say that, that at least qualitatively it's it's useful to look at this stuff in the aggregate uh you know sort of collectively to get a broader picture of it but you know the reason that we have to do it that way in a lot of instances is again because of the modus operandi of the demonic realm which is kind of deceive and and control how how humans perceive them mm-hmm. hey see if we can pull the mic just a little further away i think we're getting a little beard action going on nice beard by the way i about i was watching possibly could i was watching duck dynasty man i say about growing a beard anyway well, I yeah, I, I was it was down to here for a while, man, and I I thought ah, uh, it's getting a little too Howard Hughes for my taste. Hey, it might be the wire. See if you can get your wire down lower because I picked up noise from my, my wire sometimes too, and then kind of pull it pull a little bit. Could wider. be. That that's it. I think I got it. Yeah, pull it a little wider on your around your neck just so it gets a little space between your wire and your neck. There you go. There we go. I think yep. I, yeah, I think I did. That's thanks probably what you're picking up. Okay, yeah. All right, thanks a lot. So hey, we got this. Uh, Question in from Felix uh, from uh, our our question um, uh, client on our website. There it says, "What's the difference between Shadow Man and Slender Man?" Well, technically, I don't know that there's a great deal of difference, just in terms of the general kind of entity that we're dealing with. Um, the Slender Man, the, the accounts that I've read and heard of, the Slender Man is a, a well, it's really kind of archetypal. Uh, Slender Man is a, a long, gaunt-looking kind of shadow person, if you will, um, that shows up in all kinds of iconography throughout world history. It's as old as cave art, and, and not just cave art and rock art, but and not just the more recent stuff within the last 10, 20, or 30,000 years, but, but Paleolithic uh, cave art. You see these renderings of these tall... Uh, lanky uh, entities Uh, but again they belong to the sort of nightmare scape uh, that these uh, you know other kinds of shadow people and and shadow entities and demons belong to Mm -hmm. Uh, so that's that's another type of monster going on but I'm thinking that the incursions are they they seemingly are increasing uh, whether it is a slender man or a shadow man or even a dog man. It seems like all got these kind of man personalities, moth man. So almost sort mm-hmm. of the, like those almost like hybrids of some sorts, some kind of fusion. I mean, mm-hmm. there's a centaurs and things like that. I personally believe, mm-hmm. and I think I mentioned this before that, that in, in ancient Greeks and those with those, those stories of centaurs and various things, or even the Egyptians with the cat heads, I'm thinking those mm-hmm. things existed and, and they codified them in statues and uh, to worship as deities. Cause in fact, they did exist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that that's I think that's the truth. I I, I think that, um, you know, every basically every system of mythology and folklore in the world attests to these kinds of of chimerical creatures. You know, these hybrid creatures that um, combine human elements and animal elements, and um, you know, one of the questions about not just antiquity but but sort of late prehistory is how did they do this sort of thing? You know, there had to have been some sort of outside 
um, oh, you know, a, a kind of uh, uh, a, a cultural engineering or cultural infusion from the outside to give them the knowledge to be able to do this because, you know, for the bulk of our history, we've been hunter-gatherers and horticulturalists for the most part. And, you know, around the 11th millennium B.C., we make this very sharp right turn, 90-degree angle turn culturally, uh, and all of a sudden we're farming and living in cities and smithing metal and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, doing all kinds of building megalithic structures, mm-hmm. uh, mastering astronomy and calculus and engineering. So that's that's one of the big questions is how, how do they do that? Well, there obviously was this body of knowledge that was shared with late prehistoric humans in order to be able to do this stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I'm of the mind that... Um, that involved genetic scientists to one degree or another, and that's how we end up with these chimerical creatures. What's well, There's a lot of second. Well, yeah, it? there's a lot of second temple period literature, like like the Book of Enoch, that paints a, a broader picture of you know, or I should say, a clearer picture of of that the combination of, of human and animal DNA. Mm-hmm. And like you say, the images of, of these things show up in the, the mythology, such as the Greeks and the Romans that you reference and many others. Uh, so the interesting thing about now is that we're starting to get, you know, we are, we've had the technology to, to make these sort of things for, for at least a few decades. Uh, there's a company right now, speaking of modern monsters, Daniel, uh, there's a company right now called Incutil, and these guys want to want to clone a herd of woolly mammoths and put them in a park in Siberia. Uh, but the, the high strangeness doesn't stop there. They also want to create, quote-unquote, custom biological creatures to service humanity, and they also the latest thing I heard that they want to do is to clone Neanderthals and reintroduce them on the Earth and give them their own political uh, power and culture. Mm. You know, <laughs> interesting. You mentioned you mis, mis, mentioned metallurgy and uh, technology. There's an interesting scripture or a series of scriptures in in Deuteronomy. It talks about uh, Og, the king of Bashan. Now, the mm-hmm. thing about Og, the king of Basham, was what it said was that he was he uh, he remained of the remnants of the, he was a remain, remainder guy of the remnants of the giants. Of course, the giants were as the sons of God came down to daughters of men and created these hybrids. Okay, the change mm-hmm. of the DNA mm-hmm. of the humans. Interesting thing about this this series of scriptures is it says, "Behold, his bedstead bedstead was a bed bedstead of iron." And it was nine cubits in the length and four cubits of the width as cubits of his man. The interesting thing is that it says it, it was made of iron. Well, in that t- at that time, that was the Bronze Age. The Philistines and King of Ad and the giants had introduced iron into, into the earth to, or to man, just like talk about uh, the book of uh, Enoch, how that they, they, they taught man these sciences. So what I'm saying is mm-hmm. before the humans even got to iron, the the nephilim the the sons of the, these hybrids got brought technology to to the king of Ad and his people and the philistines and the giants so they they were you know i mean the the israelites and them they had bronze so when an iron spear you go right through the bronze shield and, and 
and kill them. Mm-hmm. But they, anyway, they had iron mm-hmm. ahead of the time. And what I'm relating to is uh, that today technology is advancing in the field of DNA and the hybrids. Somebody's going to say, hey, you want to? Uh, if you just take a little bit of goat DNA, then you can leap over tall buildings. They're trying to do mm. what they've been, what they try to do from the very beginning, and that is alter the yeah. seed of man to turn it into something that's not a creation of God. So people need to be very careful when somebody makes promises to alter your DNA. But I, I believe that the technology is being handed down through these entities to man, and it's going mm-hmm. to look like, hey, heaven on earth, man's in control of everything. But it's uh, really it's the same old thing from the pit of hell. Yeah, I think that that's right. It's in- interesting that you bring up the, uh, uh, you know, Og's emergence as this Amorite king uh, at the, you know, really at that transitional period, you know, at the end of the Bronze Age and the beginning of, of the Iron Age, you know, that would have been, you know, around 1200, 1100 B.C., um, and it's probably a reintroduction of, of uh, iron uh, if we're to believe, again, if we're to, to look at the Second Temple period literature telling us about Azazel teaching smithing in the pre-flood world, it's probably a reintroduction at that moment. You're right. We've, we've almost come full circle uh, in, in, in terms of, of where we're at now. And the technology that we're able to access and develop now blurs the line between what we have classically called on the one hand magic and on the other hand science because take for instance quantum technology a quantum quantum computer literally dumps its questioning into another dimension to derive the answer Uh, and these are machines that take enormous amounts of of energy uh, and have to be cooled with these you know, gargantuan cooling jackets. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so we're at a point now to where, you know, in the quantum age and the, the age of, of genetic engineering, where it seems like a lot of this stuff is is coming full circle. And I was sort of meditating on on that, you know, that warning that Jesus gives in Matthew about the uh, the end times being like the days of Noah. Well, if Noah lived in late prehistory, then there's still going to be megafauna on the earth. There are going to be woolly mammoths and mastodons and and uh, dire wolves and, and short-faced bear and all, all of the big cats and stuff like that. That stuff is going to be around. Well, now we've got – here comes Incutil. You just, you just give them your order, pay the bill, and they'll, they'll make them for you. <laughs> Hey, make another for me, man. Hey, we've got a question. Uh, right. uh, got a question from the live chat. Teflon Coat says, Doctor, with the popularity of vampire movies on our current social morals, are there vampiric-like cults forming and operating right in our midst? Yes, I think so. In fact, I've, I've, I've looked at this historically from a document trail kind of perspective and have also talked to a number of people uh, in the la- actually in the last few months but I've been hearing about this from people uh, for years really decades at this point about about there being a, a, a vampiric element to the kind of uh, ritual magic the thaumaturgy 
that all of these satanic uh, groups practice. Um, and I'm talking about the, you know, the illuminized ones, the ones that are practicing this high ritual magic in conjunction with blood sacrifice and uh, uh, the drinking of blood, of charged blood. I mean, it is all very vampiric. Um, and you look at some of these these people that that seem to be hanging on longer, like George Soros and uh, and some of their ilk. You know, you have to wonder um, because it's the same kind of logic as a blood infusion. Uh, you know, a blood transfusion. If you get one of those, you're anemic or something. You get a blood transfusion. It peps you up a little bit, you know, because you're missing that. Well. This all takes us back to the sacrality and the supernatural relationship, or the supernatural quality of blood. Uh, you know, it's it's not just a, a biologic; it's actually something that's got supernatural significance. Uh, with the Old Testament, you know, in places like Leviticus, hitting us very hard that the blood is in the life. Well, that's not just poetic or hyper, hyperbolic. Uh, they're actually talking about about supernatural and physical life being in the blood. And the way that it seems to be utilized, and, and you know, quite honestly, has been utilized historically for thousands of, of years, for millennia, if not longer, uh, has been utilized as a a, uh, a a way to access the dark realm, to access the demonic realm. Um, you know, there were cultures that that practiced widespread human sacrifice, not just in the ancient Near East, but take take the Mesoamericans like the, the Olmec and the Maya and the Aztec and the Toltec. They called blood the food of the gods because they believed that they're and they're god you know, as we know it, they're these gods, quote unquote the gods, are bloodthirsty. They they do want to kill people. They do want to drain them of their life essence. And so yeah, there is a very very clear vampiric element uh, to a lot of these clandestine satanic groups, the, the Illuminized ones in particular. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, the Bible does say that the life is in the blood. I, I seem to remember that somebody did a an experiment one time with blood, and you may have probably heard this, but they did something with blood on this side of the planet, and they, part of the blood from that sample was on the other side of the planet, and it reacted to what was happening mm -hmm. to the blood on this side of the planet. Did you hear that experiment? I've not, but that wouldn't surprise me. Mm -hmm. So if, um, if the life is in the blood, it seems to me that the blood has a certain structure to contain that life. If the blood is tampered with or altered, it seems to me that the perfect form fit of the life that is allowed to be in the blood is altered. Therefore, perhaps the life is no longer in the blood. Maybe something else is in there. Maybe something has taken its place. Whatever life is, that life is, maybe the spirit. But I'm thinking if it's altered, that whatever the life is that's in that blood makes that no longer life and makes it something else, a copy of life, which is, in fact, death. What do you think? Oh, I think that, that there's a lot of truth to that, Daniel. I, I think that... I think if you look at the vampire beyond just the archetypal, you know, we're talking about the literal, you know, that the, the, these are actually demonic entities, which is something that I've been talking about for a number of years. Uh, I think that, that that has to be at the root of it all, that that what the 
what this type of demonic entity offers is a counterfeit version of what, what God offers through Jesus Christ. So Jesus gives his blood, right, mm-hmm. for the redemption of humanity. And the demonic takes blood, and in return they offer this sort of artificial eternity, right? This this artificial immortality, which, as you point out, turns out to be nothing but a, a living death, in fact, an eternal death. And this, of course, is 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 in perfect theological alignment with with the Bible, from Genesis all the way to Revelation. All right, we have this question from a, old, a grumpy old army vet out of live chat. Says, Doc, what can you tell us about black-eyed children? Uh, that's freak? another interesting interesting topic. These um, these children that uh, uh, people report, um, you know, coming up to their their house, or people have have, uh, have come across them in their vehicle before. In fact, I've got a, a, a good friend of mine uh, from Abilene, Texas, who used to write for the uh, uh, the newspaper there. He had an encounter with one of these uh, black-eyed children, and he had, uh, and it follows the, the kind of pattern that you see. Uh, uh, recounted again and again in these these accounts of black-eyed children, but it's in terms of, of their appearance, it's very much as as you would expect. They're, they're kids. Something always seems a little off of, off about them in the encounters, and they have these solid black eyes. And um, the way that my friend uh, tells the story is that he had just gotten out of a movie. Uh, and he'd come back to his car, and, you know, as you do when you get in your car, you're fiddling around with stuff, you know, looking for keys and, mm-hmm. you know, this, that, and the other. And after he'd gotten his, uh, you know, keys in the ignition or whatever, he, he turned around, and there's this kid outside of his car, just almost out of nowhere. <laughs> and and they're asking for – I'm trying to remember what they asked for um, – change or, or or help or something like that and they they said you know can we open the door so that I can talk to you and that's when he noticed the the, the rather stark uh, black eyes mm-hmm. and uh, needless to say that encounter didn't last very long because he he drove off from it uh, but again there's a pattern to these is that they they they're, they either come, they can come as groups of children. They can also come as just a single child. Mm-hmm. Um, but they'll they'll come up to a, a door of a car or a place of business or a house or something like that, and then they'll they'll ask for something, and then they'll ask to come in. And everyone that encounters them, the first thing they notice is that, that something's off about the children. They don't they don't necessarily point out that their eyes are black. That's usually the second thing that they notice. You know, they're they're struck by by some sort of uh, uh, aura or projection that these children, you know, kind of air that they have about them that th- throws them off. Uh, and then they notice the the black eyes, and and virtually all of these encounters. I'm not saying all of them, because there's some of them uh, that 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 do involve some some more direct interaction, but most of them uh, they're they're so the, the people are that recount them are so uh, surprised, shocked, mortified, horrified, fill in the blank uh, that they say, "No, you can't come in. Um, we can't help you." You know, something to that effect. Mm-hmm. 
but that is another one of these kinds of encounters um, in keeping with the theme of, of your line of questioning today. That's another one of those kinds of encounters that seems to be occurring with more frequency mm-hmm. these days. I notice that sometimes Joe Biden will be talking and then all of a sudden his eyes will turn black or sometimes he just shows up and his eyes are black. Is that because he just got his shot of adrenochrome and uh, that, that and his soul is being manifested with his black eyes? What's what's caused? What's, and there's a lot of people that have that black eye syndrome. What's going on with that? Right, right. I, I, you may be struggling with it yourself. I, I seem to notice some, some black. <laughs> oh, it's gone. Never mind. Never mind. I don't know what happened. I think I shapeshifted. No, I was mortif- mortified and shocked. Um, no, I mean he's yeah he's he's certainly not the only one who's been spotted having black eyes. Again, this this may be symptomatic of of whatever spirit uh, is indwelling uh, him and other uh, these so, other individuals. So are you saying he's manifesting at that time? I certainly could be. Yeah, but. It, it, that's not to say that he may not be fresh off of an adrenochrome uh, high either, mm-hmm. because as we as we noted, there is a supernatural component to blood, and if any kind of, of ingestion of those components of blood is taking place, uh, there may be supernatural, um, uh, what would you say, uh, phenotypic manifestations. A phenotype is just in a physical, you know, a physical kind of. of Outward manifestation. Oh, I, li- I, li- I like that word, man. Thanks. All right. Um, You're welcome. So uh, we've got some more questions coming in. Uh, from Rose says, Doc, have you heard of Aaron McCollum who claims to have dolphin genetics in him and he claims to be a super soldier? No, I haven't heard heard of him. Well, I know so some people this, claim this to actually- be... I mean, there, there are people out there that claim that they're, they're, uh, they're mermaids and mermans. Uh, so I don't know, and I think they're they're in positions of power in the government. So, all right, uh, Teflon Coat then says, uh, "Are vampires ruling the world?" Well, certainly there are vamp- I think there are vampiric entities present in the world, and there there yes, I would say that arguably there are there are some of these demonic vampiric spirits who have taken control of, of key players on the world geopolitical scene. Uh, and so in a manner of speaking, yeah. You know, when you look at the people that congregate at Bohemian Grove or the World Economic Forum, these are not people that have the best interests of, of most of humanity at heart. You know what I'm saying? Um, I know that comes as a huge <laughs> shock. But, yeah, I mean, but these are exactly the kind of people, you know, in the upper echelons of society uh, that are involved in the aforementioned you know, thaumaturgic, high, high satanic magic, ritual magic kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, to a degree. Well, uh, yeah, some but, of these vamp- going back to Og, you notice they 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 said they wanted people to look at his bed. Now they didn't say uh, his crown or his spear. Mm-hmm. They said his mm-hmm. bed, made of iron, which means that King that King Og was involved with satanic sex magic. That's what that was about. Yes. And he was showing yes, that's that. exactly what it's about because that's the same. Actually, the dimensions that are given for Og's bed are the same exact same dimensions for the uh, a similar tradition in the uh, Mesopotamian uh, world, mm-hmm. in which the uh, well, any number of female goddesses, but I'm thinking of the Queen of Heaven in particular, 
would have a kind of, of ritual sex magic with these uh, these god kings of the Apsu, the underworld, mm-hmm. as it were. So that that's a, that's a direct connection between those traditions. That's exactly what it is. And, and the Queen of Heaven, uh, known by many names, Inanna, Ishtar, uh, Isis, um, uh, Ashtarte, uh, she's uh, Diana. She's she's Venus. She's yeah, exactly. She's Venus. She's Aphrodite amongst the Greeks. You know, Aphrodite was not. We're not talking about the goddess of love. We're talking about the goddess of of Violence, war, and and promiscuity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of sex magic, that's that's still going on today. And in any sane world, there would not be sex books in in kindergarten in public schools showing them how to have anal sex and vaginal sex and animal sex and everything mm-hmm. else. There has to be a spell on this country. That should we we have to talk about. We have to discuss these kinds of things. And one side is trying to say it's completely normal. Well, the, the side that's saying that's normal and should happen, they're from the lineage of Og. Okay, they're involved with sex magic, and if you look at it, that's why they want these drag queens. I'm sure that I'm sure King Og had a bunch of drag queen looking people come in to entertain him, and they're still doing that. And they're mm-hmm. trying to get to the kids, and I'm wondering, as they try to vamp, they're like vampires trying to steal the souls of innocent children, which they would love to do and get power from. I'm wondering if they are not creating the black-eyed children by stealing their souls with a sex magic that's been promoted in the public school system. That's an interesting possibility, I think, um, that any of this stuff is is in the realm of public discourse and even being remotely considered normal, uh, again, should be an indication of the kind of signs of the times that we're in. Um, and interestingly, yes, there were there were part of the uh, the temple prostitutes uh, that littered the traditions of the ancient world, who were, for all intents and purposes, uh, cross-dressers, and they catered to both to both sexes. Mm-hmm. Um, so this you know this attempt to to um, to not only not only thwart the purity of human sexuality as it was created to be. But to to somehow over sexualize children at a young age when they're they not only have the they don't even have the 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 physicality for that, but they don't have the 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 moral or the mental development at, at that point in time to be even considering these sort of things. Mm-hmm. And and so how do we how did we get to the point where this even this is even part of the public discourse? You hit the nail on the head. There's definitely a there's a, definitely a spellcraft that's at work here, a, a kind of well, a witchcraft that was subtle at one point in time, but is not so subtle now. Mm-hmm. I mean, we can talk about Joe Biden and his handlings of kids. You know, that's all fun. First, at first it was given that well, he's he's just an old man. I mean, he's he's just doing what old men do. They just love to grab a hold of children, and then then he tells this bizarre story of little kids sitting on his lap, making his leg hairs curl up and the kids stroking the hairs and he didn't in the same conversation he said i love to have children sitting in my lap when they're stroking my leg hairs make it you it's not that i hate joe biden it's like what am i hearing am i i cannot mm-hmm. be hearing this i cannot be seeing this hell he grabs a little girl and he slips his hand around you know under the shoulder onto the breast area of a little child that's you nobody's making that up 
There are dozens and dozens. Yeah. He he, you know, and then you got Ashley Biden's diary, and she basically said, "I think that something happened in the shower with my dad," which to me is mm-hmm. nothing. I mean, to, to her, what that is, the way she says that is that her mind cannot allow that to be a reality, but but because it's protecting her from going insane. Mm-hmm. So she says something may have happened. I can't remember. Well, you would remember it unless your uh, split your personality split to protect you from the horror of being in those showers with Joe Biden. No wonder his kid Hunter turned out that way with all these crack holes. He was probably in the shower with his dad too. All right, let's get this here from Jade, says our moderator. In your studies, have you looked at the possibility of inner earth housing some of the old classic creatures such as the mermen and unicorns? I have not. I'm I'm nominally familiar with the the hollow earth, inner earth um, uh, sort of line of thinking. I think I think a chambered earth would certainly fit within the uh, let's say the worldview of a lot of ancient peoples. And I don't see why at least a, a portion of the earth couldn't be chambered to accommodate that. You've got all kinds of stories of strange creatures. Uh, emerging from caves and deep openings. You know, you mentioned that you were watching the the Mothman uh, prophecies. You know, Mothman has been cited. Uh, of course, the most the most famous one is the Point Pleasant mm-hmm. uh, sighting of West Virginia. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are lots of of sightings of these strange phenomena, like uh, well, not just not just Mothman. But UFO sightings, uh, extraterrestrials uh, in Kentucky, uh, there there are these uh, cave goblins that have been reported. In fact, there was a, there was a series on YouTube not too long ago called uh, Hellier uh, that was about Hellier, Kentucky, and places like uh, Ashland. And I'm trying to remember what else was on that line. Uh, but all of these sites sit over the Mammoth Cave system. Uh, that basically runs, you know, from, uh, oh, I think from Pennsylvania or New Jersey all the way through the Appalachians uh, down into the Deep South. Uh, and there are, you know, stories upon stories, you know, dating back to not just the colonial period uh, when people from, from Europe were colonizing the East Coast, but even the Native Americans talk about seeing, you know, strange creatures emerging from caves. Mm-hmm. So, uh, is there something to that? I think there's a good chance uh, something chthonic, something subterranean, is happening. And certainly, if we're to believe not just accounts from ancient mythology, like from the Greeks or the Mesopotamians, but also the biblical tradition, um, you know, the, the these. Well, elder gods, let's say these fallen Elohim, the gods of the nations, many of them, uh, at least the Watcher Cabal, you know, in, in the Genesis 6 account, mm-hmm. uh, the Enoch account as well, they were imprisoned uh, in a subterranean prison, and there are multiple names for, for this in, in different mythologies. It was the Abyss and or the Apsu in Mesopotamia, it was Tartarus in the Greek world. Um, so, I'm of the mind that those entities are still in prison there, but they still have influence in the world, mm-hmm. kind of like a, a a mob boss would. You know, he might be in prison, but he's still running the show from the inside of the prison. Mm-hmm. 
I understand that. Here, hey, man, here's some here's some synchronicity for you. So, uh, so the wife and I are down at Del Hollow Lake, and it, around that lake is this super amazing cupcake place, and we we did partake. Okay, we did partake in in several, uh-huh. and we partaked several days in a row. So in our in the midst of our partakeation, partakeation, uh, I was I was talking to her about the Mothman at Point Pleasant. Well, this couple was behind us, and and they said, "Excuse me, can we interrupt for a second? I go, "Sure, why not?" And the guy said, "I heard you mention Point Pleasant." He said, "We're from Point Pleasant, and I'm the chief bridge engineer for Point Pleasant." Oh wow! I thought, wow, what's the the odds? What are the odds of that happening at that moment? I I don't know. So anyway, and then why and why does that must have been that must have been an interesting conversation. It it was it definitely was we have a lot we have a lot of information that we could share and we learned some things too as well but it seems to me that the Mothman he kind of appears during disasters uh, mm-hmm. kind of like Chief Cornstock does sometimes I mean there's a these these creatures seem to manifest at certain times and I'm wondering if 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 there's something that's going some some catastrophe disasters that's going to occur do say. Slenderman, does he appear? Does a Mothman appear? Mm-hmm. Maybe a werewolf or two? Maybe your Squatch? Mm-hmm. I mean, are these things breaking mm-hmm. in incursion? Are these incursions into our in, into our dimension to warn us, or they're the bringing the incursion because they're they're the ones doing it? Well, I think that I, I think that they're not there. They they the, I would say that their appearances are warnings of a kind, but they themselves are not doing it as a sort of, hey, you better get your house in order uh, kind of a way. They're not there. It's not a helpful warning. They're more of they're heralds or harbingers of of something foreboding that's on the horizon. And I think that, you know, their appearance falls in line with the, the kinds of signs and wonders that we're, we're told to to at least be on the lookout for. Um, in, in in the end times, in the end of days. Mm-hmm. Hey, grab that wire on the right side. I think it make it made its way back and pulled it away from your neck. Here you go. Hey, man, thanks. All right, here's another another question for you. Um, well, I'm well, I don't know. Wait a minute. I'm gonna get back to the last question because I, I wasn't sure about the the unicorns. Now, the unicorn is mentioned in the Bible. Was that the classic unicorn, or was that some animal that they described as a unicorn? Well, that's a good question. Um, it could have been the classic uni- unicorn. There are some people that that um, tend to think that it was one of the prehistoric rhinoceroses. Um, I, the the late uh, Joe Taylor, who I think you've had on your program before, um, the paleontologist. You know, he talked about these being one of these these uh, prehistoric species of rhinoceros. Mm. Um, now, hey. Isn't dinosaurs sort of mentioned in the Bible too? Well, again, that's a that's a great question. Um, you know, some people think that the uh, like the behemoth that's mentioned mm-hmm. uh, would have been a large kind of uh, brontosaur or brachiosaur uh, because its feet were like hippos and or elephants, broad like elephants. Mm-hmm. Um, that's certainly a possibility. Um, there, there are other people that say that the Leviathan, uh, you know, was one of these ichthyosaur-type dinosaurs of the sea. Um, that's all fodder for, for discussion. 
Um, I think there's room to interpret those instances that some creation scientists have called dinosaurs mm -hmm. and, and look at them in the scope of ancient mythology, like in the case of uh, um, a leviathan. Leviathan is a very specific kind of creature in, in the ancient Near Eastern world, specifically the biblical world. Uh, it, the translation uh, or the tra transliteration of those le Hebrew letters would have been LTN uh, into English. Um, and that's a, a kind of wreathed uh, a, a serpent. You know, it's circling in, in and out of all of its coals. Um, and um, actually, the, interestingly enough, the land of, of Bashan, the old Phoenician would be Bataan, it's the same word, uh, basically the same word as Leviathan. It's BTN and then LTN. Uh, and so Bashan, Bataan, literally means the land of the serpent. So it's the land of Leviathan. Mm. Uh, I think the allusion here is to the Nakash, or the, the, the chief of serpents, the old, that old dragon. Um, but there's certainly room to, you know, to look at how dinosaurs fit within the biblical world. I'm not altogether convinced the references to things like the behemoth and the leviathan were dinosaurs, but they may have been. See, I, I lost my concentration a little bit when I was reading up on King Og from Bashan because mm -hmm. I, I saw this movie called The Train to Bushan, which was a zombie apocalypse movie from Korea, I think. Mm -hmm. So every time I see Bushan, I think of Bushan, then I think of zombies. Speaking of zombies, uh. there are zombie-like areas across this country now, particularly... Washington State, California, San Francisco, Seattle, those type of places, Chicago, New York. They say that the fentanyl addiction is turning people into zombies. They call it the zombie drug. And I'm mm -hmm. and if you've seen it, it's the most cringeworthy, sad thing you've ever seen. The people's they're they're hunched over and they're just scooting their feet like like Biden. You know how Biden scoots his feet? They, that's how they yeah, kind of walk. Yeah. They scoot and their arms are drooping down, their bodies are bent over. They look like zombies. It's the most pitiful thing you've ever seen. Strangely enough, I mean, people talk about this zombie apocalypse. Uh, strangely enough, while they're in the zombified condition, they all seem to manage to hold on to a cell phone as they're zombifying down the road, I, I, down the sidewalk. I don't understand that. I mean, how's a zombie know? Even a zombie won't let go of a cell phone. I'm wondering if he's getting 5G information through there that's hitting them in the head tell them to be a zombie to go attack somebody but they won't i mean it's the strangest thing that, that they're hold they're holding their cell phone I mean, you think if you're a zombie you're going to drop it but they don't drop it what's up mm -hmm. with that doctor well I, you know that's a great question I, when i was when i was teaching in the in academia you know there were times when i would walk across the college campus and everybody walking down the sidewalk had their face not turned up, you know, talking to people or, or looking around. Uh, they had their faces looking down, planted in their phones. Um, and so that, that's a sort of hive mm -hmm. zombie-like behavior in, in and of itself. Mm -hmm. Now, you throw in something like, like opiates mm -hmm. or any other kind of drug that's going mm -hmm. to hamper, you know, cognition... Uh, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, who knows what's at work? Uh, I, I, so I definitely think that there's a spiritual component to it. 
I don't see any reason why those two things would have to be mutually exclusive. That is the, the, the drug use and some sort of signal being used with the, uh, the cell phones, because I mean, th these are things that fall under the auspices of, of, of experiments that our, our intelligence community. Well, I'm, I'm wondering if uh, been, so you're, all, you're talking years. about is different levels of zombification. Um, I'm thinking that, uh, say, from the the fentanyl, ver the fentanyl version of zombification, where people literally look more like zombies. I, and I certainly understand you talking about people just walk down the road with that. And they certainly are zombies because yeah. they really can't think, uh, can't have conversations with other humans. But I'm just wondering if the the drugs, the the the, the uh, psychotropic drugs lower a defense built into humans to receive the 5G signals. I wonder if it just like mutes that, causes that to not, so they don't have protection, and then they can receive those signals. I, that would take more research, I think, I, I'm sure, but I, it's possible. I mean, I, I don't throw anything out the window when it comes to the supernatural. Um, but yeah, I, I, no, I understand what you're saying with these, you know, uh, these fentanyl zombies, mm -hmm. if, if you will. So um, it seems like there's a, there's another drug on the market right now um, that has a similar kind of effect on cognition, but people that get addicted to I can't remember for the life of me the name of it. Um, I read read an article about it a couple weeks ago, but it it if you're addicted to it for too long, it starts to cause these open sores. Oh yeah. Um, on your on your body, so that your you it, like necrosis sets in, and you they start to look like the, you know the Hollywood you know pop culture kind of zombie. Mm -hmm. All right, somebody in the live chat watching the program, look that up real quick. What 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 the doctor's talking about? Because I I want to remember what that that is too. All right, doctor, so we're talking about zombies, uh, and you mentioned in the first hour about uh, Matthew, where it says that in the days of Noah, so shall it be when the Son of Man comes. Of course, there were giants in the days in those days. And then you mentioned the uh, the hybridization uh, of uh, of animals species, perhaps woolly mammoths. Those certainly qualify for giants, um, and then maybe even dinosaurs. Those are giants. But what about human giants? Are are we are those people type of giants going to appear? I think that they have to. I, I think that they're they're part of the. Well, I'll say this. I think that they're, they're, if, if we look at that phrasing, days of Noah, there's not a lot of, if Jesus is making a, a direct comparison, there's not a lot of room for cherry picking here, in other words. So if, if megafauna, the megafauna that you mentioned, like the mammoths and mastodons, things like that were around too, um, so are these other chimerical Nephilim, these chimerical creatures, and then you had the hominid Nephilim, these these giant people uh, that were around as well. Almost by default, you have to include those in the the return scenario. So I'm I'm of the mind, just based on that direct analogy that Jesus is making, mm -hmm. I'm of the mind that they have to be part of, of that that picture in in the whatever appellation you want to give it, the birth pangs, the mm -hmm. Uh, the end of the end of days, what have you? I think that's part of of what's coming down the pike. Mm -hmm. Well, I see that uh, Jade in live chat said meth causes open source, but I think it was a, a newer drug than even meth. It, it, yeah, it's a newer. It wasn't meth. It's a newer drug. 
but meth does cause open source. I've seen some. It's just disgusting what people do to their right. own bodies. Interestingly enough, what they're doing yeah. is they're defiling their temple. Um, and that's maybe right. Not your body's the temple of the Holy Ghost, man. Don't do it. All right. Uh, but Yahweh first says, did Satan create any beings like, say, the Greys? Well, whether he did so directly or not, um, that's another thing that's been touted around uh, in conversations, I suppose, in what you would call alternative scholarship, alternative research. Um, it's not. It's certainly not outside the realm of, of even probability uh, that using some kind of watcher tech, they would be able to create these uh, custom biologics to use a company that that actually exists, Incutil. You know, they say that they can make these custom biologics to you. I don't see why that that couldn't be done uh, by the demonic realm, mm-hmm. and why they couldn't conform to any sort of design that they would come up with. Perhaps that design has been around for thousands of years, and they're they're just there's this one of many that they're still using. So well, the, I would say that yeah, that's entirely probable. The the uh, the transhumanism technology that was employed back in the days of Noah uh, mm-hmm. certainly it's, it has to be more advanced today. And I would think that they're probably mm-hmm. given that, that they probably have given them somebody the technology to create beings, albeit I'm sure they wouldn't have a soul. And it seems to me that's one of the whole purposes of this thing is to capture the soul or find out where it is or, or duplicate the soul mm-hmm. into a demonic soul type of thing. That's probably the one component mm-hmm. that they can't create and they're mad about it. And so they're abducting people to find mm-hmm. out. All right. Uh, so Curious wants to know, is the zombie apocalypse here or is it coming? Seems like it's kind of here. It does seem like it's kind of here. Um, you know, there, there's this kind of imagery in certain certain passages in the Bible, even um, Zechariah. I know there, there's one that's got a kind of zombie-esque sort of passage in Zechariah. Revelation chapter nine or thirteen that talks about the uh, these things coming out of the abyss. Um, so I, I would say that. That looking looking at the looking at prophetic times, in other words, in a, in a broad range, I would say that that component's probably already here. I think we're already looking at it. it a lot of it depends on how you define a zombie. You know, what it, what is it that you're calling a zombie? I think that there's got to be that supernatural demonic component to it, mm-hmm. but it utilizes these other things, like you mentioned, the, the drugs. You know, a, a type of pharmacia is another mm-hmm. word. Uh, for witchcraft well, and and drugs in the New Testament, well, some of those. But there's also, go ahead. I was going to say some of those Philistine villages, uh, ba- basically they were cannibals, and some people reported. I think mm-hmm. maybe in the Book of Enoch they said that the giants were cannibals. Now today we have people that uh, they're, they're passing laws to allow somebody for assisted suicide. They're now allowing laws for people to be ground up into some mulch and buried underneath a tree. It seems to me, uh, uh, Doctor, that we are not very far from people suggesting that the best way to heal the planet and to reduce the climate change is for people to eat people. What say you? Yeah, yeah, isn't that convenient? Uh, it makes me think of, of the the Charlton Heston movie, Soylent Green, mm-hmm. uh, where they're and of course, it's not just that they want to ground people up into meat products, but they want to, you know, they want to they want to give us, you know, lab-grown tumor meat to eat. They want us to eat 
bugs, uh, you know, in addition to the poisons that have already been in our food for, you know, in some cases decades now. Um, yeah, that using things like, like climate change, uh, with all of its vague, you know, in, indefinable, easily malleable implementality, um, using uh, uh, almost any kind of a political banner to be <laughs> to be able to there it is to be able to um, uh, turn it against people and and eliminate large chunks of, of the human population uh, wholesale all of that is in keeping again with the modus operandi of the demonic of the satanic what is it that Satan wants to do? He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. Again, not hyperbole. It's an exact character definition. It's an exact personality profile, if you will. Well, they're, um, they'll probably so release this on the public by having, uh, say, instead of bacon bits, they'll have human bits for, for animals and say, hey, look, look how, look how good your dog enjoys this. You can too. Hey, somebody wrote uh, in, oh, yeah. some, somebody wrote in a live chat. Uh, maybe it's called Trank. Uh, we talked about that drug earlier, or uh, I, I think that's it. I think that's it. Yeah, Frank, yeah. that sounds right. Okay, and then I think there's an, another one called uh, uh, Xylene. That's X Y L A Z I N. So either one. So Trank, mm-hmm. yeah, man. So there's a lot of drugs out there to turn humans into. But again, I'm I'm thinking that that is changing DNA. It's changing the blood into something else that is not going to be recognizable. Kentucky girl asked this question: Do Catholics refer to Mary as the Queen of Heaven? Uh, yes, there are some designations, uh, Marian designations for her as the Queen of Heaven, and you know people can debate, you know what exactly they they mean by that. Um, but any any time that you see the Queen of Heaven in an ancient context, you know again one that predates the Catholic Church, um, it's a direct reference to. Uh, Inanna or Ishtar or Astarte, mm-hmm. um, who is who is referred to as the whore of Babylon, uh, the mother of harlots in the Book of Revelation. Mm-hmm. Um, now, again, some people are going to make that connection between the, the Catholic designation of, of Mary as the Queen of Heaven and ancient paganism, and they're certainly welcome to do that. Uh, others are not. Um, it seems it seems to me, Doctor, that the the whore of Babylon just reemerged in the news has something to do with Trump in New York City. So I don't know. I guess the whore of Babylon's still out there. All right, uh, we've got mm-hmm. this question here from Teflon Coat. Have you done research on shamans and metaphysical ex- their metaphysical experiences? Mm-hmm. I have. What What are your basic yeah. findings? Say again. What's your basic findings on them? Well, shamanism, of, of course, is is arguably the oldest kind of priesthood uh, in human culture and typically shamans are found in um, cultures that are pre-industrial or pre-literate they, they have a kind of stone age technology um, if you look at the tr- traditions of, uh, of, of people like the um, in the Tunguska region and uh, in, in fact, that's uh, that's where the word shaman actually comes from, is that portion of Siberia, and it's just been used by anthropologists as kind of a blanket term. But we're, what we're talking about there is is a, a a shaman is a kind of go-between 
between the world of the living and the world of the dead. So there's a kind of, um, or, or the world of the gods or, or ancestor spirits, just depending on what the tradition is. And so they're a kind of go-between, a kind of medium, uh, if you will. Uh, but they're they're all really only a part-time religious professional. They're not exactly the same thing as a priest in a, you know, in a, a let's say a polytheistic tradition or something like that, like like in ancient Egypt or ancient Mesopotamia. Um, a shaman is also a kind of 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 uh, healer as well, and so they're familiar with herbs and roots and plant medicines and that that sort of thing. Uh, but it's it's a tradition that they, that's jumbled together. You know, it, it's it's um, you know their their specialization as a an herbalist or a healer is dovetails with their their role. Uh, as a communicator with the realm of the spirits. Uh, and not infrequently, uh, shamans would use hallucinogenic herbs in order to facilitate uh, this kind of, of contact with the dead or the ancestor spirits or the gods or what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, and that seems to be another thing that's sort of come full circle uh, because you now you now have people in in modern societies and in industrial technological societies who are taking ayahuasca and yahe and and uh, uh, you know peyote or any number of a, a, a family of hallucinogens that were used by uh, you know these shamans and in indigenous traditions mm-hmm. uh, in order to to make these these connections well, now. Speak, well- Speaking of sh- speaking of shamans, uh, Doctor Fauci, you know, you just add a couple letters to Fauci, and you got Doctor Frankenstein. But anyway, so here's a guy that experimented on beagles, thousands of beagles. Now I'm wondering how it is that scientists feel that the need to experiment on 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 a beagle doggy. Now that cho- shows me a level of demonic possession that we have never seen in this country before. Yeah, well, I mean, it's the it's a kind of um, you know, I mean, let's face it, the for for these people, the ends justify the means, uh, and that that's really, I mean, I, that in and of itself is a kind of demonic stance to have, um, but yeah, the heartlessness that it would take to to do these kinds of mm-hmm. of. Of exp- this kind of experimentation. I believe, I believe he also mentioned kind of- something. I believe there's also some uh, uh, some transcripts of him saying that uh, uh, it, it would be necessary to to infect a certain segment of population so they can test some results. I'm just wondering why these people never tested on their self. All right. So here's Grumpy Army Vet. He has a question. Says, how soon will the Nephilim return to Earth, or are they already here? That's a great question. I wish I knew the answer to it. it. It's hard to create a timetable, but I think, in a general sort of a sense, um, I, I think we we have to, at the end of the day, conclude. And I, I get it. You know, most people are not spending all their time on eschatology or prophecy or what have you. But that doesn't mean that we can't sort of keep our finger on the pulse beat of what's going on, because even Jesus chided the Pharisees for saying, "Hey." You, look, you guys can predict the weather. You can tell when it's going to rain, but you can't. You know, you can't see the forest for the trees. You can't see the signs of the times. Is what he was talking about. So, in that lesson, we're we're taught to pay attention 
to these, you know, things that are coming down the pike, these sort of signs and wonders and, and prophetic indications. And so we can have a kind of general idea. I would say that just, just collectively, um, we're right at the threshold, um, you know, alluding to what we've been talking about tonight, Daniel, you know, the, the sort of the blurring of the line between magic and science. We're right at the threshold of being able to, you know, create the, the genetic apparatus for the return of a lot of these kinds of creatures that uh, for millennia have only existed on, on walls, you know, scratched into uh, clay mm-hmm. um, and, and painted. And so I would say that, that we're close. I would well, say that well, it's that, probably uh, within, within this generation. Well, that brings me to the question of the CERN Hadron Collider. I mean, for one thing, mm-hmm. who in the heck come up with the plans to build that thing? What the mm-hmm. hell is it really doing? And how can they tell a particle is going to shoot around this at the speed of light around a mile or two mile circle and hit the target? That to me, that seems like some kind of handed down Nephilim technology, some kind of dark force. Are they really trying to create a portal for the army on the other side to, to manifest in this dimension? I think so, and the reason I think that is because before he died. Now, when I was a when I was a kid, um, you know, about seventh or eighth grade, I was still under the impression that I wanted to be some sort of hard scientist, like an engineer or something like that. And uh, my dad continues to be a big science buff; always had stuff around. And one of the books that I remember buying at at that age was a book by a physicist named Stephen Hawking and just you know he this, the book was called Black Holes so this guy literally wrote the book the modern uh, uh, perspective on, on black holes fast forward to when all of these particle accelerators and uh, colliders and, and operations like the one that they have in I think Tennessee and then the, the CERN one is probably the most popular one his warning before he died to these operations was probably ought to think two or three times before you actually turn these on because you might create artificial black holes that end up causing irreparable damage to the planet. Uh, and people, and go ahead. What, is, what is a black hole? Well, ostensibly, it's the, uh, the wormhole, you know, uh, that bridges space-time that, that Einstein talked about. Um, in other words, it would be a kind of, of portal. Uh, and so with with Hawking, sort of a, a man, by the way, who, who had no religious feelings one way or the other, to my knowledge, uh, didn't have any sort of, of spirituality or belief in God, but he, he warns these people about creating artificial singularities, artificial black holes, portals for all intents and purposes. And so here's the guy that literally wrote the book on this sort of these sort of phenomena, warning people operating these super colliders not to turn them on. Mm-hmm. That tells me that that's exactly what they were do, trying to do, is, is trying to, to create a bridge to another dimension so that they could communicate with it. Hmm. Well, I don't think that we need to be communicating with them, but that's going to bring us right to that's going to bring us right to AI. Uh, the guy that invented the latest chatbot, I think mm. he said 
that he regrets doing it now. He is he is he's concerned the creation of the AI platform that he created is going to somehow uh, harm humanity. Do you did you hear that? And is it possible that AI will in fact do that? How many how many futurists have been writing about this kind of stuff long before there was any sort of artificial intelligence? There were authors that hinted about the dangers of 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 over technologizing your society. Even H.G. Uh, Wells talked about it. It's more than the subtext of stories like 1984 by George Orwell and Aldous Huxley's Brave New World. And then you get into the, the modern movie making age and you, you end up with cautionary tales like Terminator and The Matrix, you know, stories that are built upon AI doing exactly uh, what this guy is talking about AI doing. Uh, even Frank Herbert back in the 1960s that wrote uh, uh, the, the Dune series. The backstory to Dune was that um, a few people, technocrats, if you will, owned these thinking machines, uh, conscious robots is what they were called. Well, they enslaved the rest of humanity and controlled people with, with this artificial intelligence. And then the thinking robots, the thinking machines took over and then they started to enact this universe-wide genocide on humanity. Mm-hmm. And so how many times does this tale have to be told mm-hmm. for for people in the scientific community and policymakers to think that that why would you even do that? Why why would you take the chance? Um, it's sort of like you know Ian Malcolm in Jurassic Park. You know he's just mortified by every everything that he sees there. That character that Jeff Goldblum so brilliantly played, mm-hmm. and he says he says this is horrible. He says <clears throat> you're you're basically bastardizing nature, mm-hmm. and what's worse is that you were so preoccupied with whether you could do this, you never stopped to ask yourself the ethical, moral question, should I do this? Mm-hmm. I don't think that does not well, even enter into the into the conversation now because postmodernism has done its job so well that, that there is no objective truth as far as that narrative is concerned. There is no objective morality or objective ethics. Well, in a future movie, The Matrix, the computer decided that the human beings were a virus, and there was no need for them to be even on the planet. And it seems to me the eventual outcome of AI, when, they, when they're given power to rule over mankind, will decide, you guys are the worst thing ever. You, you organic humans need to be dealt with. Now, I was going to bring up the Mandela effect and CERN, because some people speculate that when CERN, because of the power, I mean, people say their lights flicker when this thing's turned on. There's so much power required for these things. In uh, uh, such a draw in the system that it causes a ripple in time space, therefore causing uh, uh, what people describe as a Mandela effect or the altering of either history or future. And so I was going to mention that. And um, and we were also talking about uh, the signs of the times. And so I thought about Matthew scripture, and it was in uh, Matthew 16:3. And it says, um, you can discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. Now, I'm not trying to add fuel to the fire here, Doctor. And maybe you're better at remembrance than me. I don't ever remember reading, you can discern the face of the sky in the King James Bible. Now, I want people in the live chat, if you're listening, focus on this question. Do you remember saying the face of the sky? 
I don't ever remember. Do you remember saying face of the sky? No, I don't remember it saying that at all. I'm not adding I, that I, fuel I, to I, the fire, but it's, I've read, yeah. I just looked up two different King James, which is with the Bible that I use, and it says face of the sky. And I don't ever remember reading face of the sky. I, was, I wasn't going to add fuel to the fire. I was going to try to get you on another one. I was going to get you on, uh, uh, you know, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood question, you know, that question, <laughs> which clearly, you know, it says it used to be it's a wonderful day in the neighborhood, but now it says it's a wonder, wonderful day in this neighborhood. I mean, we'd go on like that. But all of a sudden, I'm seeing yeah. the face of the sky. I don't remember that. Now I'm thinking we've already had somebody just turned on CERN and, and altered altered time space. Now we're in, we're in a completely different reality. I don't know where I am right now, Doctor. Uh, well, you know, another one is uh, that I've heard is the the the, the uh, spelling of uh, Oscar Mayer. You know, the the uh, hot mm-hmm. dog company. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people claim that it's you know that it was M A Y E R one time. And, now it's M-E-Y-E-R. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of some other ones. Um, I, I'm familiar with the Mandela effect again, but that's 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 hard to quantify, particularly if. It, it, how do you discern? Uh, not to use a pun. How do you discern? Uh, you, you know whether something has always been that way. If the actual phenomenon somehow changes something that's written down like for instance you know in the King James Bible if it if it changes the actual wording and, and documents um, it, it then becomes hard to quantify I mean maybe that's maybe that's part of part of the demonic root of the Mandela effect if, if it is if it is a real phenomenon mm-hmm. uh, because it does seem to confuse and cause chaos uh, and and deceive. You know, it adds to the deception because it's hard to get a bearing on what exactly is true. True, well, what, the, true the, what is true constitutes true. Well, that's one of the first mm-hmm. things Satan did in the garden was he tried to rewrite the Bible. In the very beginning, he says, thou shalt not surely die. God said, you shall surely die. And the devil said, thou shalt not. That was his version. That was the satanic version right. of the King James Bible. Right. But I'm just saying, I haven't got any responses in the live chat. Does anybody remember... Matthew 6, 3, where Jesus said, O ye hypocrites, you can discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. I don't ever remember the word face. That didn't sound like something that somebody from that time would say, face of the sky. It's not even a a King James word. Now, nobody nobody has answered that yet, so I'm still trying to find out if somebody's paying attention out there in the viewing audience. All right, so, so, Doctor, we've talked about a number of different creatures, and it looks like it's a... The incursions, as I said in, in the beginning of our opening, the mm-hmm. incursions are increasing. And, of course, you know, we, we know the classic scripture says e- they'll call evil good and, and, and good evil. And that's we're clearly there by, by metholith, metholith, megalithic, megalithic proportions. Is that Can I use that word? Uh, you you know, can. Or gigantic. So, uh, anyway, um, so to say that, to say this. Are we heading for some kind of event that's going to pull all this stuff together that we're seeing sort of the birth pains of, you know, we talk about zombies, mm-hmm. you know, and talk about shadow people and people talking about people appearing in their houses. I mean, things are, they're increasing. This darkness is increasing, but is it coming to a head? And what is, what is, what is, what are these birth pains of death, depravity and evil coming to? Well, I think it's, it, 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 it's going to culminate 
in one central event, but of course it's 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 going to be numerous events that increase in frequency. Uh, you know, leading up to that that event that you as you say draws all this together, and I think that that'll be the uh, we're again we're at the threshold of so many things right now. We're we're at the threshold of a a a globalist society, a truly glo- global society, a one one world government, if you will. Uh, the, those building blocks have been put in place for somebody to rule over, and the the obvious biblical choice there is the Antichrist, and so I think the arrival of the Antichrist will draw that over, but I think even before that, we're going to see some very significant changes on the geopolitical scene, on the religious scene, uh, on the uh, on the environmental front that's been weaponized to, to use to sort of prop this up. Um, so, you know, Art Bell, over 20 years ago, you know, when he was he was you know, had the reins at uh, Coast to Coast AM. He used to talk about something called uh, the quickening. Um, you know, there, it was this impossible event, this impossible set of circumstances that humanity was barreling towards. You know, and I think even then, you know, in the 90s when he started that mm-hmm. show. Called um, the quickening. He called it the quickening. The quickening, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, even at that point, you know, he was starting to kind of collate all of this stuff into a kind of meta picture, a larger, broader picture. And since that time, we've amassed such a corpus of, of sightings and occurrences um, and incursions, as you say, um, that at the end of the day, if you subscribe to at least a supernatural worldview and specifically a biblical supernatural worldview. I don't know that there are a lot of other conclusions that you could come to that, other than the, that, we're getting closer, and those those major events that are going to tie all of this together mm-hmm. are are much closer than they've they've been uh, ever in history. Well, yeah. Because the unique set of circumstances necessary for that to come together have never never been as close as they are now mm-hmm. uh, in, in terms of being the complete picture. I mean, you know, I use the word, I'm, I'm not using the word incursion casually because we've had incursions, oh, yeah. we've had incursions, incursions in our airspace. We were having incursions mm-hmm. on our border. We're having incursions mm-hmm. on our supply lines. We're having incursions on our sanity, incursions on our children. And so, you know, this, this is just part and parcel of this whole, whole thing. And uh, people need to sort of, sort of research this and, uh, make preparations for some coming event and how and what what and how to to prepare for those incursions now the 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 interesting thing to me though we know the end of the book and end of the book christ wins we know that now it must be that the devil as it said early in one of the scriptures had they known the crucified the son of god they never would have done it had they known had they known who he was they would not have crucified him so they were obviously blinded. It kind of reminds me like um, there's a story in the Old Testament where these warring factions, God, God uh, uh, protected the, the Jews or, or uh, the Judah people, however you want to call them, and they had the, the forces fighting each other. And in another battle, they couldn't see, you know. So they were blinded, you know, as that, to that effect. So I'm, I'm bringing that to today. I'm thinking that whatever incursions are happening, they can't see the end. 
So they're going to make a tactical mistake somewhere along the line because they're not going to win, but they can't see they're not going to win, and they're going to fall right into the trap, and prophecy is going to be fulfilled, and God's going to win. How about that? Yes, I agree. I, you know, these entities, whether we're talking about the the Elohim, at the, the fallen Elohim at the top of the heap or the down to the lowliest, you know, demonic, unclean spirit, um, they're not omniscient. They don't know everything, but they do know a lot. In other words, they, they've got a perspective that's greater than ours, and they can kind of see down the pike. But I think you hit on some really, really important points there, Daniel, about they didn't know exactly what Jesus was. So they you get a lot of the testing of the waters, if you will, uh, in, in the New Testament, and the Gospels in particular with Jesus. Now, they had some idea about where he was going to show up, that's why there is this profusion of, of giants and uh, all of these blood bloodlust bloodthirsty pagan cults in the ancient Levant uh, that show up and so in a sort of military you know from a military perspective they, they set up their bases of operation in the ancient Near East because they had a general kind of idea where that Adamic lion was going to manifest the the Messiah mm-hmm. and when Jesus arrives on the scene, you know, it makes me think of, of his temptation in the wilderness. You know, when Satan is, he's just sort of like, he's sort of throwing these temptations and questions at him because he's not exactly sure what Jesus is. He knows that he's, he's something different, but, you know, what is he? Is he another angel? Is he is something that we haven't seen yet? I don't think they knew. You're right. I don't think they knew exactly what they did, mm-hmm. uh, and it was too late by the time, um, you know, they realized you know that this might might be the guy, so we probably better kill him off. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was an unsuccessful gambit uh, because he he <laughs> he he died, but he rose after. Not only did he rise, but he gave notice to the enemy, and he went down in in into Tartarus mm-hmm. and stole the key. You know, basically took all of all of what little rights remained of them, took them away from them. They didn't see so that, that coming, did they? They they didn't and that illustrates the fact again that they're not omniscient mm-hmm. and I've, it's been posited to me before do they actually think that they can win <coughs> I think they think they can win but their definition of winning is is sort of like the movie war games you know when the computer when they tell the computer to play tic tac toe because you can't win you really can't win tic tac toe. Mm-hmm. they want to play this this stalemate out as long as they possibly can. And I think what that looks like from God's perspective is the, you know, the fullness of the Gentiles, as it's as it's talked about in the New Testament, when when all of all of the world has finally heard the gospel message. And I think the the last metric that I saw from a, a missions board was something like somewhere between twenty five and thirty two percent of the world has yet to in the most absolute remote regions of the world has yet to hear of the gospel. Mm-hmm. So that ought to give you some idea, you know, to work with in terms of what where we're at on the timeline. Mm-hmm. Well I'm gonna ha- that uh, that would be what I would say about that. Okay. I'm gonna have to talk to my buddy uh Reverend Bill Bean, because he is big on the Mandela effect and Bible changes. And uh, I mentioned earlier about Matthew 16, 3. What, the way I remember that scripture, I, I thought it said, Oh, ye hypocrites, you cannot discern the signs in the heavens, 
you can discern the signs in the heavens, but you can't discern the signs of the mm-hmm. times. I re- believe, yeah. I, I absolutely will guarantee and put my hand on the Bible. I thought it said heavens, not face. Yeah. I don't remember face. Do you remember the word heavens? In that, well, anyway, I, that's what that, that's from the from that translation. That sounds more like what I, I remember. I don't, yeah, I don't ever you, remember right, signs in the heavens, but you can't dis- discern the signs of the times. Not the face of the sky. Right. There, there's no such thing as a face of the sky. Somebody just right. something happened. Some Mandela. Well, and Wherever Mandela is, quit screwing around with stuff. What I'm saying. Yeah, in in the in the the other you know concurrent um, passages and the other gospels where that shows up, it's the same kind of language that's being used. The same same kind of phrasing. I don't ever remember seeing the face of the heavens or the face of the sky. Yeah, face of the sky sounds like a song. I mean, that didn't. That's you're right. There there is a there is a cadence to the King James Bible Mm -hmm. particularly. And I'll, I'll just use that one. You know, I may make some people mad. Well, I use this or that. It just, you know, it's okay. You're not going to go to hell. I don't care what version you use. Uh, you know, the the timing of that of that phrase is interesting because it happens just before Jesus arrives in Caesarea Philippi at the foot of Mount Hermon, mm-hmm. uh, and then basically gives notice to the enemy, and then the transfiguration occurs on Mount Hermon right after that. Hey, if you ever if you ever want to play a trick on somebody who likes to read the NIV. Just, just, and I, you may be one. I don't know. I'll play a trick on you. No, I, but anyway, uh, just ask him. Say, hey, uh, can you can you give me just say Lord's prayer? First, I'll say they'll get suspicious. Why are you asking me that? And and then you ask. It happens every time you ask him. You ask an NIV person, and I say, sure, I, I know what it is. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy, oh, I say, wait a minute, wait. That's not NIV. I don't know. What, you're you're reading King James. And so it's, it's, the reason is <laughs> the King James has a cadence and a poetic way about it that it, it goes mm-hmm. onto a memory hook into your soul. People can't mm-hmm. quote the NIV. They can't quote it. Mm-hmm. It's, it it's, it's not, it's, it, it doesn't go to the place it's supposed to go. But every time, mm-hmm. I'm just saying, people watching the show, you try it sometime. Ask, ask, some, ask your NIV friend. To, to quote, you know, say, hey, man, tell me the Lord's Prayer. I, I kind of forgot. And they'll say, okay, sure. Our Father, which art in heaven, how you can let them go the whole way if you want just to see, but you can stop them there kind of early. All right, well, listen, Doctor, we're getting near the end of the broadcast now. You're t- we were talking in the first hour or intro about you've got some things going on your website. What's, what's happening there? Yeah, very soon I'll, I'll have the new uh, Burton Beyond website up. It's going to be burtonbeyond.net. And I see that you pulled up the the new institute site, drjudburton.com, and if, if people are interested in, uh, I teach coursework on the exact sort of thing that we're talking about tonight. You know, this incursion that you you so aptly named it. Uh, in fact, the the course behind you there on the banner, preternatural morphology, is a course about a lot of these manifestations and incursions: the vampire, the werewolf the zombie, the ghoul. Um, so if people are interested in that, they can email me at professorburton at yahoo.com. Um, I just finished writing a paper on the uh, with a friend of mine, Doug Van Dorn, uh, about the serpent mound of Bashan that we talked about tonight, the, the land of Bashan, the land of the serpent. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's actually a geoglyph near the old wheel of the giants, uh, Gilgal Rephaim. Um, very close to it, in fact, uh, that we've been working on this paper on, and we're going to drop that here pretty soon. And uh, the new uh, Gobekli Tepe book on uh, Gobekli Tepe and the Bible is coming out uh, probably 
late summer, probably early fall. Um, okay. So definitely lots of lots of things in the pike here. Okay. Well, uh, Dr. Judd Burton, I appreciate you coming back on the Edge broadcast. It's always a real pleasure having you on, man. We just talk up a storm. Time goes so quick. Oh, we do. And man, we go deep we every time. We do. We do. I love it. I All love right. this show. All right. Well, I'm glad you do. I appreciate you so much, and, and we'll have you back on the program. Okay. All right. Thank you. You bet.